really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and just so much more, all about the world of rugby union. As always, I remain David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game wherever I can find it, all over the globe. If you'd like to get in touch, well, frankly, I'd love to hear from you, so please do. It's surprisingly rare to actually get any messages, so step it up, y'all. Anyway, uh, I, of course, am on Twitter. I'm at of Scrum. You can find me on Instagram at the Scrum of the Earth podcast. And if you can bring yourself to leave me a nice positive review, that would be great. I've sort of been behind the eight ball ever since getting an anonymous one-star review a little while ago. So if you could help me grow the pod a bit, you know, this will do it. And it's free, which is something I very much appreciate these days. Moving on as we always do to current updates. Well, my friends, it was my son's birthday this week. He just turned six. It was a ton of fun. He's absolutely bonkers for dinosaurs these days. So we played, you know, dino-themed games. We got him a big dino play mat, a Lego Jurassic World set. And then this weekend, we took him to the Dino Safari, a walkthrough uh, sort of exhibit featuring a slew of animatronic dinosaurs of realistic size. It was pretty, it was something else. Um, it definitely scared him a little bit at first, but he warmed up to it. It was nice to be in downtown Boston for a change as well. It's been kind of, kind of a while since I've bothered to do that. Of course, their actual website goes on and on about only allowing timed visits to keep people separate. They boasted a large enough space to keep social distancing at all times. Uh, both of those things were outright lies. <laughs> it was totally ridiculous. A bit frustrating at this point, you know, but uh, still. He also got to see his buddy that day um, and who, who gave him a super fun uh, gift as well. And then he had a super fun sleepover at my parents' house, which allowed us to go to the Free Jacks game without having to rush back to pay a babysitter or anything. That's just such a treat. We're so lucky for that. So all in all, Epic Birthday Week was an enormous success. I sincerely love that he's so into dinosaurs. We can have conversations like this one. Me. Hey, uh, do you think that one's a Stygimolic? Him. No, it's a Pachycephalosaurus. <laughs> just priceless. He's stupid! He's stupid! People have to know! Yes, Isa, it was really special news this week for one person I can think of, and that is Filippo Dagunu. Uh, he's a player for the Reds in Super Rugby Pacific. Lipo, as they apparently call him, got his 50th cap for the Reds this weekend, and to commemorate this achievement, the Reds really did something extra special. I hope I can get through this without getting all choked up and, you know, silly. Uh, so Lipo, he's from Fiji, and because of the incredibly strict COVID rules and protocols, he hasn't seen anyone from his family in about three full years. So... They got a series of videos made by his extended family over in Fiji just saying, you know, congratulations, talking about how proud they are of him. They're showing this video to the entire locker room all at once. He was clearly getting pretty emotional, but the man's made of stone and he just completely held it together. But then, as a complete surprise, they had managed to get his aunt over to Australia and she snuck into the room <clears throat> to hand him his game jersey. He just... He just broke down. They just buried each other in a huge embrace. It was an incredible moment, just beautiful to behold. I've put the link to the video they made of the whole thing in the show notes. If you haven't already come across it, please check it out. It is deeply moving. All the feels. Moving on to the thoughts of the week, you know, I don't know how or why, but that one-star review that I've been complaining about quite a bit is somehow disappeared. It's just, it's just gone. 
it's weird. So I didn't know that could happen. I didn't like go complain about it to iTunes or whatever. Cause yeah, right. As if a human would ever see that email. Um, but you know, maybe because it was anonymous, like it, it expired after X amount of time. I, I admit I'm fairly clueless about that sort of thing. So, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and move on. If it was a listener though, changing their mind. Thank you. I appreciate it. And if you've been thinking about leaving me a nice review, but haven't yet, you know, please take a moment to do so. It really helps grow the pod. So that, of course, brings us to our reviews for the week. And this week, we're going to mix it up, and we're going to start with MLR. So on April Fool's Day, it was Utah, home for San Diego. And, man, the Legion were not messing around. And this one, they went to Utah and just laid the smack down. It was 25 to 40 by the end. Utah have found some good patches this year, but have severely fallen off where they were last year. If you are a Utah Warriors fan and you're listening, please get in touch. Let me know just you know how you're feeling about this whole year. And what you think, you know, has made such a big difference. I just, I feel like I have no answers for that one. Moving on, on Saturday, it was Toronto at home to face Atlanta. By the way, with the Arrows playing their first home game in 1,035 days. What an ordeal this team has endured. Hopes were obviously sky high, but the results, they weren't there in the end. Uh, The very dangerous club from Atlanta getting a 14-20 to win. The Canadian fans must be gutted right now. Then on Sunday... New Jersey were back home again. seems like they're home every week. They were facing D.C. Uh, it must have been a particularly tough one for Old Glory fans. Is that they looked like they had a chance to notch their first victory of the year. But in the end, New Jersey, they were just too much for them, escaping with a 35-31 to 31 win in Hoboken. And by the way, <laughs> I think Rugby New Jersey has gotten so fed up with, you know, loudmouths like me endlessly reminding people that they neither practice nor play in New York that they've simply decided to own it, you know, with their own social media people tweeting things like, job done in Hoboken. (laughs) I have to say, I wish they'd be a little more obstinate and contentious about it. It's kind of more fun that way. Definitely starting to bite my nails already about that matchup we've got with them to end the season. That's the the last game we've got at Fort Quincy this year. June 3rd is going to be a momentous day for sure. Next up was LA at home for Dallas. And wow, you guys, LA is really stepping it up. After struggling early in the year, the Death Star appears to be close to fully operational. They absolutely hammered hapless Dallas to the tune of 47-7. to In just the last few weeks, the table's seen big changes in terms of scoring to- totals, but we'll have to get to that later on. Then, it was another Texas Derby with Austin hosting Houston. Austin just trashed the Thundercats. It was, it was rough. It was 43-5 to by the end, and Austin looked back to their high-scoring ways. As always, of course, I have saved it for last with my beloved Free Jacks back at home, for only the second time this year, in this case facing NOLA, who, you know, while they're obviously struggling a bit this year, they were the only team to beat us at home last year. Uh, and I think that memory sort of loomed large in the second half. Uh, so, my team, we got out to an immediate and convincing lead, scored three tries before 20 minutes had even gone by. I was there, of course, and it was a thing of beauty on a perfect, sunny day, just perfect for some rugby. At the break, NOLA, they had gotten an unconverted try, but the score was still 26 to five. And I think, I think collectively we might've felt a little overconfident at that point. felt like people stopped paying as much attention. Uh, on top of this, Nola, they undoubtedly remember their epic win on our home turf last year. And they really started to click at 46 minutes. It was 26 to 12. And still we seemed dangerously unconcerned to me, at least. I mean, two scores can happen in five or six minutes. And there was a long way to go in this contest. I thought the officials missed a forward pass by New Orleans that would uh, that ended up leading to their next try, but they say they checked it and it certainly wasn't clear from where I was sitting. Suddenly it was 26 to 19 and all the momentum was in Nola's favor. Still, the crowd didn't seem to notice too much. 
uh, and I found myself say, saying stupid things out loud, like, okay, everybody, let's not get cocky to people I haven't really met before. Uh, anyway, it was only at the 52-minute uh, mark when a driving mall by Nola, along with a conversion, tied things up, and that's when the crowd became concerned. It was a tie game, Nola outscoring us 21 to zip in the second half, just a massive drop-off by our guys. A not-rolling-away penalty against us saw New Orleans take their first lead of the day, and the crowd got very quiet. There was real fear at Fort Quincy. And even with that, I'm very glad to be there to experience. You know, the broadcast, while lovely, they obviously can't capture that sort of level of feeling you get just being there in the crowd. But then, oh my word, at long last, in this barren second stanza, we finally touched one down for a go-ahead try, but this one didn't look over by a long shot. Uh, inexplicably, the, the comms said, walk it to tie it, as he kicked the extras, and then declared it to be 31 all, which I'm wholly relieved to say was not true. It was, in fact, 33-29 to 29 in our favor, with only a few minutes remaining. Nola came knocking and had some seriously threatening moments as the clock wound down, but once again, our attitude and stick to on defense held the line for my beloved home team, and despite being outscored 24-7 in the second half, we dug down deep and got yet another win, with only one road game left on this season. My word, things are looking very positive indeed. Also, in case you're not on Twitter, I was very happy to get to briefly chat with and or get some autographs from several key Free Jacks figures, including Ewan Brumwell, uh, Coach Matthew, the Scottish legend Dougie Fife, Holden Youngert, and even our undisputed player of the year, Mr. Waka. And by the way, I will have lots more to say about him when I chat with the voice of the Free Jacks, Mr. Dallin Stanford, who has agreed to come on the show this Thursday. Please be on the lookout for that one. I will be... Uh, taking out a nice little uh, porcelain plate and a knife, knife and fork and sitting down to eat some crow. Anyway, um, let's check out the, the lead table and how things have shifted a little bit. Austin, they're back on top in the West, uh, West with 28 league points, followed closely by the California bunch with San Diego and LA second and third with 26 and 24 points. Seattle and Houston are knocking on the door with 21 and 20 points. And Utah and Dallas are bringing up the rear with, at 13 and four points respectively. Meanwhile, over here in the East, oh my word, it almost feels like bad luck to even report it, but my dearly beloved Free Jacks now sit atop the entire MLR with 33 league points, seven wins out of eight matches, though Atlanta and New Jersey are both right there nipping at our heels at six and two and tied for 30 points apiece. Meanwhile, Toronto will have to see how they bounce back after they lost their first home game and the only game they've truly been at home for in three years. They're sitting on 20 points. Nola have 18, and while, meanwhile, D.C., whew, they are in the very bottom subcellar with only three points to show for their campaign to date. As I've said here many times, man, oh, man, this is by far the best MLR season yet. It, it's got big names. It's got drama. It's got a seesaw league table, and it has my New England Free Jacks, the only team with only one loss all year, with only two games on the road the rest of the way in the regular season. Oh, two games? One more, I think. I'm going to have to double-check that. I think I've just said two opposite things. Anyway. We will, of course, be in our founding member seats next Saturday, April 9th, to face a very up-and-down Seattle team. Uh, we will again be there on April 30th to take on the enigmatic Utah team we discussed earlier. I'll be there to watch us play D.C. and then Atlanta on back-to-back -back weeks before we're back to see us wind up this remarkable season again facing NOLA, who will surely be all in for a revenge win. And then, as I mentioned earlier, finally, New Jersey is coming to town. I tag them as the absolute greatest competition outside of my own team to challenge whoever ends up winning the West, that's for sure. Wow, my friends, this season is just so compelling. If, if you have a way to spread the word, please do so. Major League Rugby is on fire right now. Moving over to the URC. On Friday, it was Sharks versus the Dragons. 
a serious kicking battle ensued. It was a gorgeous day, by the way. They talked a lot about how nice it was to see the crowds, and for sure, I mean, what a world it's been. Lewis Reese, Samet! Anyway, it was 9-3 to three with 20 minutes gone, and I was honestly really into this one. But then, ooh, please don't go looking for it on YouTube. A terrible injury to Ross Moriarty. Just a look away and hope for the best kind of moment. No thumbs up coming from him as he was taken off in a stretcher. Just chilling stuff. I, I wish him the speediest of recoveries. Poor guy. I understand it is a knee injury, but I haven't seen any more updates as of yet, which kind of makes it seem even more ominous. Uh, ominous. Yeah, ominous, frankly. Then the floodgates sort of seemed to open. Ox Niche bulldozing his way in for a try. They quickly got another with the extras somehow counting despite the TMO telling the ref they'd run out of time. And this one officially got weird. Uh, by the time the clock read the title of Van Halen's seventh album, it was 30 to 3. And when it had gone red, it was 51 to 3 there at the end. Woof. As a quick side note, I'm excited to be sitting down for a chat with Carwin Harris of the Uneducated Rugby Podcast in the near future. We'll be talking more URC, but focusing on the state of Welsh rugby. And I'm excited to add another country to the list of guests I've been lucky enough to have on the show. I have, of course, linked his lovely pod in my show notes, so check it out. Next up was Glasgow versus Zebra. Hey, guess what? Zebra, they scored two tries in this one. Uh, yeah, 40 to 12 was the final score. I honestly hope they win at least one game this season, but I'm glad it wasn't this one. On Saturday... Benetton were at home for Connacht, and Benetton kept it close, though to no avail. My guys from Connacht, they didn't look great on the road, but a win is a win, as they say. It was two tries and a penalty to three tries. All conversions made, 17-21 to 21 was how things ended in Treviso. Next up was the Bulls facing Ulster. Well, the Bulls took their sweet time, only scoring tries in the second half, but they eventually got a bonus point and a nice win on a gorgeous hot day at home. 34-16 was the winning score, and we're going to look at the ramifications on the league table very shortly. Next up was Lions at home to face Edinburgh. Uh, one for the purists is the, the note I had jot, jotted down here. Scoring was very low, to put it mildly. After 50 minutes, it was 5-6 to six in favor of the visitors. However, the Lions scored shortly right after that, with Edinburgh then getting a penalty to stay within three with about a quarter hour to go, so it seemed like a doable, you know, a, a doable opportunity for them Still trialless on the day, Edinburgh found themselves down 15-9 to with only two minutes left, and that, my friends, was, was how it would end. Disappointing result for the visitors, to be sure, especially given the roster they lined up, just as, as my friend Craig likes to call it, they went full noise, and then they ended up with nothing. So uh, he must be stewing over that one. Next up were the Stormers at home to face Ospreys. It was yet another loss for a Welsh team. It was 22-6 at the break, and both teams managed only a single converted try apiece the rest of the way. 29-13, the final tally. Losses upon losses for the Welsh sides once again, and South Africa is becoming a safe house for these new teams. I really wonder you know, how this surge we're seeing out of them is going to affect the, the ending of this season. It seems like I just have a feeling we're going to see a major swing in playoff positioning and that sort of thing. Next up, an Irish clash between Munster at home to face Leinster. Ooh, man, it was another powerhouse performance by Leinster maybe even a statement game it was 19 to 34 at the very end and you know I'm kind of realizing more and more just how much motion we can expect as I mentioned in terms of playoff positioning things are really snowballing in a lot of ways right now four tries to just the one with New Zealand born James Lowe getting himself a brace so are we actually did we stop watching the URC and we're just watching the LRC the Leinster Rugby Championship because I'm confused anyway next was an all Welsh affair affair it was Scarlet's at home for Cardiff. And it was nice to think ahead of this one how, at last, a Welsh team would technically have to get a win. Ah, but then I remembered the concept of draws. 
So I think that instantly became quite literally the only thing I wanted out of watching this one. Just not a draw. Just not a draw by all the powers that be. As things turned out, I did get my meager desire. Scarlet's were grateful to notch a 35-20 to 20 victory at home. Four tries to two and three penalties to two as well. That was the tale of tape on this one. So that brings us to our league table update. And after this weekend, there's been some uh, significant movement. Leinster, they haven't moved. They, of course, are still perched all the way at the top, a full 10 points clear of the teams tied for second, which are Ulster still and Glasgow, who leapfrogged Munster. Munster are now in fourth place with 47 league points. After that is just a complete logjam. It's Edinburgh, Stormers, Bulls, and Sharks on 44, 43, 42, and 41 points. You can't make this stuff up, people. Leading the Ulsterans, my Connacht boys. They are tied with Scarlets. How much does that hurt? That's at 32 points. Ospreys and Lions are locked at 30 despite Lions' recent surge. Benetton and Cardiff are only in the 20s with 24 and 23. And then, whew, falling off a cliff completely are Dragons with 11. And still winless Zebra with two. Just yikes. So moving on to the Gallagher Premiership on Friday. It was sale at home for Saracens. Boy, oh boy, the Saracens are really hitting their stride this time of year. They were too much for the Printerland Sharks, though the score was close the whole way. Surprising series, but, uh, sack sale Sharks by six. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Uh, 12 to 18 was the final score in this one. I don't know why. Every now and then I, I get possessed by a 1930s American announcer. Anyway, on Saturday, the Exeter Chiefs were at home to face Bath. This was a surprising final outcome, considering the way the Chiefs played in the first half. With only about two minutes left in that first period, they were struggling. And down big, it was 7 to 22. But... <laughs> From that point on, they showed why they are so dangerous, keeping their play ho playoff hopes alive <laughs> with 42-22 to 22 being the comeback beatdown, blanking Bath for the final 42 minutes, just a complete turnaround, another kick in the teeth for Bath fans. Must be rough. So, Gloucester were then at home to face Wasps. Gloucester, they went up by a couple of kicks and held a 6 to nothing advantage at the intermission, but Wasps, they showed a ton of heart coming back for a nice away win. 21 to 27, all told. And I will now take the little tiny slip of paper that says, is it Gloucester's year? And I'm going to burn it and throw it into the ocean. Anyway, moving on, it was Northampton to face Bristol. The Saints led the whole way in this one, turning a 24 to 17 lead at halftime into a 39 to 22 victory at, uh, at full time. Semiron Drandra, he got himself a nice try and a nice yellow card to round out his day. Oh, God. Then next was Worcester at home to face Newcastle. Warriors only managed five points in the first half, but in the second, they added an, an, another five points. Ugh. Anyway, the Falcons, their tallies for both halves were 21 and then 24. Worcester just can't do anything right right now, it seems. So you got to wonder how Duhan's feeling about his move this year. Finally, on the Sunday, London Irish were at home to take on Harlequins. Hey, palindromic score alert. Rather than a tale of two halves, this one was like a mirror image. The Irish, they got seven points in each half, and Quinn scored 22 and then 19. Folks, Harlequins continue to be deadly. I'm still picking them for champions when all is said and done this year. 14 to 41 was the answer. Okay, little league table update. Leicester, they are still the, uh, the top standard in this league with only three losses all year and an eye-popping 80 league points. Saracens, they have semi-quietly crept all the way back up to second place with 72 points, followed closely by Harlequins at 68 and Exeter at 62. The 50-something point club is an absolute quagmire. 
with New, uh, Northampton, Sale, Gloucester, London Irish, and Wasps with 58, 56, 55, 53, and 52. Yes, there will be a quiz. No, there will be no quiz. Um, from there, it is a precipitous drop-off to the bottom four with Bristol at 37, Newcastle at a rather shocking 32, Worcester at 30, and then lowly Bath find themselves at the bottom of the heap with only 27 points. You know, Northampton and Sale, obviously they have the best chances of leapfrogging somebody, but the table feels kind of set to me like right now. It's just a feeling I have. Okay, I guess we kind of went in reverse order of when these games actually took place this week, but hey, I like to mix it up. So we are, of course, moving on to Super Rugby Pacific. You know, somewhat brutally, they scheduled a midweek game to have Moana Pacifica play a postponed match versus the Blues. Hard to see either team exactly feeling 100% after playing four days before that. Anyway, uh, sure enough, Moana Pacifica, they weren't up to it in this one. They scored 19, the Blues 32. That was the scoreline at the very end. Sadly, I didn't even have a chance to watch this one. It basically just slipped right past me. Weird. On the weekend, on Friday, Crusaders. I can't believe I have to talk about this. Crusaders were home to face the Highlanders. My guys, they scored first. They definitely kept it close the whole way, though I was obviously crapping myself the entire time. And sure enough, in the final minutes, I was exceptionally pleased to see the ref do the right thing and go back to look at a fairly obvious shoulder charge to the head and hand out a red card. But the Highlanders were still down 17-14. to 14. They immediately coughed up a golden opportunity, and that sinking feeling set in once again. Highlanders did get a huge turnover, only to give it up without even getting the ball out of that ruck. Presto, it was all done. No scoring in the entire second half, but yet another loss for my beloved Highlanders. We find ourselves 0-6. Are you even kidding me right now? Next up was, of course, Fiji and Drua. They were facing the Waratahs. Tough to find many positives in this one. The Taz, they made it look a bit easy. They, they you know, won, I guess, theoretically away from home, 14-38, to though nobody's actually playing in Fiji. Um, meanwhile, Saturday. Blues were again matched up with Moana Pacifica. The Blues are looking very much like a team in contention for a title. While Moana Pacifica are exciting to watch, they're just, you know, not at the same level yet. A big score in this one, 46-16 was the final. Then, of course, Reds versus Brumbies. This is a great matchup. Doesn't get much, much, uh, much tighter than this one, at least in the first half. Brumbies, they were up by a single point, 6-7 going into the break. But it would only take moments for the Reds to get their first try. Their defense seemed to be what was really powering them on the day, managing to defeat that signature driving ball by the Brumbies twice in the shadows of their own goalposts. Truly impressive stuff. The Reds, they added another penalty to widen the margin to 16-7 to with the final quarter of play remaining. Brumbies, they just looked absolutely stifled out there. Of course, they got yellow carded twice, both of which set off a series of aneurysms in the comm booths. These guys are outraged to the point of high comedy. I was starting to wonder if they were actually just rehearsing a skit of some kind. In any event, it did seem, to be fair, like they were effectively, like they had kind of gotten on Angus Gardner's bad side at that stage. Every call was going against them. The Reds looked poised to knock off the only remaining unbeaten team in the league. Then, Jordan Pattaya, who had been a very, very strong candidate for this week's Diamond in the Ruck Award, absolutely botched just a complete gimme, just carelessly taking his eyes off the ball. But no matter, as only moments later, Dalgunu, he took in a gorgeous skip pass from Nanjok Jock, and suddenly, this one looked utterly out of reach. By the way, it was Dalgunu's 19th try in 50 matches. He is something else. And uh, I'll mention again, if you haven't watched that video that the Reds put together, that they did before this match, woo, you got to see it. 
Anyway, it was 21 to 7 with 10 minutes to go. Normally not impossible, but Brumbies, they couldn't do anything right at that point. <laughs> They've been choked out of the contest, exclaimed the comms right on cue. Uh, and speaking of Diamond in the Ruck awards, uh, former Diamond in the Ruck winner, Teniel Atupo, got a yellow card for tripping in the comms. As he goes to sit in the sin bin, Combs expressed concern that he might drive the chair into the ground. They were flying high at that point. So funny. Anyway, they did mention it's 2,576 days since the Brumbies have won at Suncorp Stadium, and that streak would continue on 13 straight victories at home against the, them at home. Uh, I just said at home twice. That is something else, though. 21 to 7, all told. And for the record, <laughs> the Blues and Moana Pacifica played each other on March 25th, March 29th, and April 2nd. Player safety, player schmafety. <laughs> anyway, we got to do our league table update after only between five and seven games, depending on which, which team you support. Um, there's already a vast chasm between the top and the bottom of this league. The Brumbies, the Reds, the Crusaders, and the Blues, they all boast only one loss, with the top two nodded at 26, followed by Crusaders at 23 and the Blues at 22. Oof, that is close. But both those New Zealand teams, mind, have only uh, have played only six games rather than seven, so that's likely to change very soon. The Waratahs are the only other team to break 20, getting exactly 20. Um, the Chiefs are at 18. The Western Force are at 12. Hurricanes are right at 10 with the Rebels, and the Fijian Drua tied at six points apiece. Second to last are Moana Pacifica with four, and last, and very much least, my Highlanders, still the only winless team. Uh, and they've just three points on the year. What a drop-off from last year. It is making my head spin. Okay, and finally, folks, of course, it was round two of Women's Six Nations on Saturday. France, they were at home to face Ireland. The French, they looked dominant from the opening kickoff. They shut out the Irish in the entire first half, racking up a 26-to-zip lead. It wasn't until the 55-minute mark that Ireland would get their first points, with Eve, uh, Eve Higgins getting a nice try. It was a really nice effort. I had to note, the first try for the French, by the way, on the day was scored by a woman named Melisande, which is a name I'd only previously heard in Game of Thrones. Good stuff. Anyway, heading into the final 10 minutes, France, they were up 40-5, to five, still looking hungry for more. However, i got to say, they got a little careless at the end. They kept giving the ball away. 40-5 to five was where it would stay. Very strong showing for France. And April 30th, man, when they face England, that is looking like a monstrous matchup. Already looking forward to that one big time. Next up, of course, Wales hosted Scotland. A real disappointment for the Scots. They were ahead 7-14 to at halftime, but Wales came roaring back in the second half, eventually getting the win 24-19. to I was hoping to provide some more interesting stats, but the website, I swear to God, it only brings you to a bad gateway, which, I don't know, seems microcosmic and very telling somehow. Anyway, last up on the weekend, Italy. <laughs> They found no solace in being at home to host England, who just, I mean, they just blew them off the field. They shut them out entirely in the process. England, they scored 31 unanswered in the first half, then really turned the screws and got another 43 in the second, a 74-point shutout in the end. The English got a whopping 12 tries on the day with a brace for McKenna and a hat trick for Lydia Thompson, who was doing everything out there. As you all know, the only rugby I don't like watching is blowout rugby, and enough was enough with this one. Okay, my friends, that, of course, 
brings us to this week's Diamond in the Ruck Award. You know, and this week, it seems so obvious that even I can't ignore it. Lydia Thompson got a hat trick in an almost absurdly dominant victory in Italy, a 74-point shutout we just mentioned. Ms. Thompson, you made, and get this, 207 meters on the day, while the high total for any Italian player was 66. I mean, whew, you were carving it up all day long. Your aggression with the ball, the fire you bring to the field, and believe me, I'm not having I'm not happy talking nicely about an England team, but you are just unbelievable and you are hands down. I congratulate you heartily. This week's Diamond in the Ruck. Enjoy everything that comes along with it. Well done. Okay, my friends, you know the routine. That brings us to our previews of next week. And well. Well, 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 well. Well! Well, well, well. Well, 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 well. Yeah, you got it. The world's most baffling tournament resumes next weekend. I'm very excited. That, of course, is the two-headed EPCR beast, the Heineken Champions Cup, and its little brother, the Challenge Cup, What will that look like exactly? Well, I'm happy to tell you, but don't expect me to understand it. In what they're calling the first leg of the round of 16 on Friday, it will look an awful lot like a URC match with Connacht getting a home date with Leinster. Oh, God. On Saturday, Bordeaux-Begma, they will be hosting La Rochelle. Sale will be home for Bristol. Uh, Toulouse will welcome Ulster. Very exciting matchup with Exeter at Sandy Park to face Munster. Ooh, that's going to be tasty. And then finally, it's Stade Francais versus Rasting, and a holy Parisian fixture uh, those last two should be amazing. Then on Sunday, we'll have Montpellier folks, uh, hosting the Harlequins. Woo, tough battle for them. Claremont taking on Leicester. What a day. And then, of course, concurrently, we will have the Challenge Cup action. All uh, uh, And the, the two Friday fixtures will have Edinburgh hosting Pau. Poe? Poe. At, at the goddamn Health Stadium. Uh, Craig, I know you'll be there. Good luck for your boys. Uh, we'll also get Breve at home to face Saracens. No idea what to expect out of that one, that's for sure. On Saturday, Benetton will be in Treviso to face Perpignan. Biarritz will be home for Toulon. Newcastle will host Zebre. And somehow, finally, Dragons will be in Newport to face Gloucester. So the results of these two sets of fixtures will somehow dovetail in some way, uh, starting the very following week. But the last time I tried to figure out exactly how, I blacked out for three days, so I'm not doing that again. Anyway, very much TBD. We'll just say it, we'll just leave it at that. Of course, because of these cups, the Prem and the URC both take two weeks off to make way for these tournaments, so no previews for either of those leagues this week. Meanwhile, next up, back at home in Major League Rugby for round 10, we've got Toronto at home for DC. They've got to win that one. Come on. My Free Jacks are again at home, this time for Seattle. Should be fun. Uh, NOLA, they return home to face Atlanta. We have another Texas Derby with Houston hosting Dallas. And then on Sunday, a doubleheader of San Diego versus Austin. Very nice. Followed by a cracker of a matchup between L.A. and New York. That one should be super intense. I can't wait. Moving on to Women's Six Nations. Of course, that keeps rolling as well. England will be back home for Wales. Scotland will have the privilege of being hammered by the French. And finally, again, with the Italy match on a Sunday. Why do they always do that? Anyway, this week, they'll be in Dublin to face Ireland. So finally, over in Super Rugby Pacific, we will have on Friday my Highlanders, with what amounts to their best chance to get a win yet, as they are at home to face Moana Pacifica, will also get that same night 
the Force facing off against the Rebels. That should be a good one. I'm really excited about that one. On Saturday, we've got Hurricanes hosting Crusaders. The Chiefs will welcome the Blues to the FMG in Waikato. And finally, Fijian Drua will take on the Brumbies at Suncorp. Also, once again, they shoehorned a midweek makeup fixture. Uh, Hurricanes and Moana Pacifica have to face off on Tuesday. Oh my gosh, I hope that nonsense stops soon. That was a lot of rugby. Well, my friends, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you, as always, so much for listening. Thank you for reaching out. It's always great to hear from you. As always, if you would like to get in touch, you can use Twitter at of Scrum. You can find me at the Scrum of the Earth podcast on Insta, and you can always just email me via the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. If you can bring yourself to drop me a nice review, that would please me to no end and would really help grow the pod. And if you like what we're doing here, there's at least one way you can show your support listed in the show notes for this episode. Please check it out. Anyway, thank you again for coming along to all of you across the globe. Cheers. Talk to you soon and be well.